right, news roundup information overload hour eight hundred nine four one. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, there's actually more than one. There's there's now a couple of trucker convoys. Uh, one making its way from California all the way across the country. Another one uh, that it's been organized. I think the sending on D.C. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. Nancy Pelosi's watching very closely, and Muriel Bowser has, you know, called up some of the National Guard. Amazing, because all of those topics are off limits when it comes to January 6th. Um, let's see, we have three people that have confirmed, including President Trump twice on my TV show, uh, Cash Patel on my radio and TV show, Mark Meadows on my radio and TV show. There were five people in the Oval Office on January 4th, and they all confirmed that President Trump authorized, as required by law, up to 20,000 Guard troops to be called in, knowing that large numbers of people were going to be in town for January 6th, uh, knowing that we just came off a riot in the summer of, of 2020, where, what, 574 riots, and we had dozens of dead Americans and thousands of injured cops and billions in property damage, and knowing that big crowds usually attract, you know, some unsavory characters and bad apples. Uh, so Donald Trump authorized that, but the committee looking into this is not interested in that. But it seems like the answer is they, they might have gotten the answer anyway. Oh, well, the trucker convoy is coming. We better call up the guard, which, by the way, we need to protect our capital and every elected official, as I said, in real time on January 6th. Pretty amazing. Anyway, um, let me play Jen Psaki addressing the Department of Homeland Security assessment of the threat of the trucker protest. Which, by the way, was peaceful in Canada. Is the president concerned at all about the convoy of truckers that's making its way to Washington? And is he taking any sort of steps to protect us? Yes, we've actually been um, been monitoring uh, this closely, the Department of Homeland Security and the administration are tracking reports of a potential convoy that may be planning to travel to several U.S. cities, including Washington, D.C. We have been working, including from uh, Dr. Liz Sherwood-Randall here, as well as our uh, Homeland Security Department, with closely with our federal, state, and local partners to continuously assess the threat environment and keep our communities safe. Uh, and our efforts uh, include enhanced intelligence sharing, a critical incident response, Response plan uh, for the U.S. Capitol, a regional security assessment, and a simulation experiment that developed data-driven recommendations to bolster regional security. So we are closely monitoring, closely watching, and working with state and local authorities. Okay. Um, now, our very own uh, investigative reporter, Fox News contributor Sarah Carter, has been on the ground this week with this uh, trucker's convoy. I think I believe the one from California to D.C. and and she's been hanging out with these guys. Uh, Sarah, where are you right now? What's the status? I, I got to tell you, Sean, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that I heard uh, when I heard Jen Saki say that because these truckers that I've met with, every single one of them, I mean, these are hardworking Americans that are standing up for what they believe and what we know is freedom and everything that makes our nation worthwhile. They just want to be heard. Every single trucker that I spoke with, whether it was with their families or supporters or just the truckers themselves, they say, look, we feel as though this administration doesn't listen to us. 
We are people being ignored. We're the hardworking class. We're the people that deliver your food to your grocery store. We're the people that work on the farms. There were farmers there. I saw so many Americans, Sean, just coming over to the convoy in California. And, yeah, you're right to say that. I I left with the convoy in California, the people's convoy, um, headed with them all the way into Arizona. And I'll be meeting back up with them again um, when they get towards Washington, D.C. Now, this convoy, the People's Convoy, isn't expected to get into the D.C. area. They're going to be on the outskirts. The Freedom Convoy, it's another convoy, and there's a couple other convoys, are heading towards Washington, D.C. And they've made very public statements about how they're going to do this, that it's going to be very peaceful, that they are going to stand up for freedom. But when you hear the Biden administration talk about these hardworking men and women, much like their brothers and sisters in Canada, as as they describe, who drove the trucks there, you would think they were domestic terrorists. Well, I mean, I couldn't believe what little Justin did with his little emergency, you know, his wannabe Vladimir Putin moment there. Um, Are the truckers at all concerned? Uh, They're they're heading into a situation, those that especially are going to be in D.C. on Tuesday for the State of the Union, Um, I think what was really key in Canada, and it's going to be key for this convoy, too, is that everybody's got to remain peaceful. It was kind of like a party-like atmosphere from everything that we saw. All these charges made by little Justin were were just total Adam Schiff. And so it just wasn't true. Um, But my I guess my question is, is they do they what do they plan to do when they get in D.C.? I guess that's my question. They want to be heard. They they have, I, you know, I, I was there for uh, several of the meetings that they had with the truckers between truck leaders and uh, as they're moving through the various states and, you know, more truckers are joining them. So when we first left California, it was like 40 to 50 trucks. And I'm talking about, you know, the big semis and hundreds of vehicles. And then when we got into Arizona, it ended up being close to 300 uh, trucks. And that was pretty, that was pretty amazing sight. And when you hear the truckers talking, they're like, look, we're here to be peaceful. If there's anybody here that's, uh, that is to the radical right or to the radical left, we don't want you here. We want you to leave. We want the American people to know the hardworking men and women. The people who have the calluses on their hands from, you know, lifting all day and working out in the fields and driving these trucks and hauling all of our produce. We want people to know that we are here, that we are against government overreach and over stringent mandates, that we want to be heard. And all the, all President Biden has to do is listen to them. And they say that they are going to remain peaceful, that that is their intention. They have no intention of blocking the roads. Um, so they have a system in place that that they want to use so that they can keep the roads in the city open. And, you know, seeing all the support that they have with going through the two states, Sean, it was incredible. I saw people on the overpasses. I met uh, men and women who were showing up at the stop and passing out uh, $20 bills, $100 bills, and handing them to the truckers. Uh, some of the semis were full of food, full of water, so that the truckers wouldn't even have to worry about spending money on the road. Uh, there was a restaurant uh, that I was at in Arizona that was fantastic. It was called The Great American Pizza and Barbecue. And <laughs> the couple that owned the restaurant made over 800 pizzas. We give you some tough assignments, and and you've been in war zones, and this is really unfair of me to say, but this sounds like a fun assignment. You know, you get to hang out, have barbecues, hanging out with cool people that really were the heroes of the pandemic, 
And, and you know, one of the best things that has come out of all of this with the truckers in Canada, now of truckers here and, and also in Europe and New Zealand and everywhere, is that I think people finally recognize, oh, this food in this store didn't get here all by itself. And that every right. product we, we buy from every store we go to got there because of a truck. So um, I think the level of appreciation for truckers will go through the roof. And, and that's why I'm, I'm so wor- I always get concerned that, you know, you've got these radicals, radicals that will try and infiltrate, cause trouble and create a narrative that is false about who these people really are. These are hardworking people that sustain us every single day. They get never right. get the recognition they deserve. That's absolutely right, Sean. They have children. They have families. They're hardworking. They care about our nation. They're worried about the direction our nation is in, and they want to be heard, and they want to do it peacefully. And, you know, the, the tragedy here is, Sean, a lot of them said is that, you know, instead of the lawmakers who are supposed to be working for the hardworking men and women of the United States of America, instead of it making it, you know, targeting them and calling them out and, and, you know, putting names out there egregiously without knowing them, instead of reaching out to them and saying, hey, look, we want to listen to you. What's going on? Instead of doing that, you know, they are calling on the Department of Homeland Security, rounding up the FBI, putting, uh, you know, putting names on them, you know, saying that some of them are racist. We saw that in Canada or calling them, you know, uh, domestic terrorists. And that kind of language, that kind of incendiary language is the reason why a lot of these truckers are now posting videos, are making their statements very public, you know, want the American people to understand that, look, we're just like you. We're a hardworking group of people. We want to be heard. We want government overreach. We need the government to back down. We, we don't want government overreach. And, and most importantly, we want to do this safe and, and, and be effective with our voice. And I think that's what they're going to do, uh, for the State of the Union. I think they're going to make their voices heard. And, uh, hopefully when they get to Washington, D.C., you know, the president, as well as the, our lawmakers, will pay attention to them. Um, Sarah, I appreciate it. And I think we're going to get an update from you on TV tonight. Um, I think it's important what they're doing. And I think the country now has shifted. And, and you know, watching Democrats, you know, all of a sudden, only for political reasons, they're, they're, they're trying to distance themselves from the insane, draconian shutdown measures that they've imposed on the rest of us. While most of them go vacation, as Ron DeSantis said at CPAC in Florida, uh, the freest state in the country, as he called it, and have the time of their lives without a mask mandate. Um, Sarah, have a good time. Please tell these guys that we send our love and thanks for all that they do every day for all of us. I absolutely will, Sean. Thank you so much. 800-941-SEAN is a number. You want to be a part of the program. Listen, um, I'm not great at making decisions, to be very honest, on certain things, especially decorating decisions. So I, I, I hand them off to family members usually. Um, it's hard to commit to one thing. But when it comes to window treatments, you only need to make one decision, and that's to use Blinds.com because every single person that does gets free professional design consultation and no store can beat their prices, so you know you're going to get a great deal. And now they have additional savings of up to 35% off site-wide. And that means you can make your home a dream home and a reality. Now, I've seen firsthand how custom window treatments, it's a minor home improvement with a massive major impact. Uh, Blinds.com, they make it so simple and easy and affordable. I mean, 
Look, you make one phone call, you go online, it's so easy. You upgrade one room, you tackle the whole house, whatever you want to do. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. They have over 40,000 five-star reviews. No store will beat their service or their prices, and they simplify everything. Anyway, go to blinds.com right now. Save an additional 35% off site-wide on top of their everyday low prices. And tell them your friend Sean Hannity sent you. Sleepy Joe just signed more executive actions in one week than most presidents did in their entire term. So much for democracy. Looks like Joe is the new dictator. Hannity's on right now. Let's hit our phones here real quick. 800-941-SEAN, our number, and then we'll take calls for the rest of the next half hour as well. Uh, let's say hi to Alex. He's in Brooklyn in New York on WOR this week, celebrating 100 years on the air. Uh, America's first talk station. Uh, what's going on, Alex? How are you? Yeah, Sean, thanks for taking the call. It's great to talk with you. Um, I don't understand why we're going to put sanctions on Russia now. It's a little late in the game, and I don't see that we're going to accomplish anything with this because Putin is not going to withdraw from Ukraine. He's already in there. And even a week ago, we wouldn't have withdrawn if we would have put sanctions in them because the entire world was certain that he was going to invade. And Joe B- and uh, Putin is not going to show that he's weak and that he's afraid of Joe Biden. Even I wouldn't show that I'm afraid of Joe Biden. Who would want to show that? But if we would have put sanctions on Putin a couple of months ago, right when he put those soldiers on the border of Ukraine, if we put, would have put sanctions, then I think he would have pulled back a week later and said that he was practicing. There would have been no shame on his part, but now we're not going to accomplish anything. He's going to continue invading Ukraine, and we're just going to have more deaths. So I think that Joe Biden should come out and tell President Zelensky to stand down and hand the country over to Putin so that that way we at least have less deaths than we already have right now. And the next time that Putin starts to go after the, bo- the bottom like line Putin- is it's it's total capitulation. It, what the sanction that needs to be brought to bear on Russia is energy. And Joe Biden is not willing to take the step necessary that will inflict the most pain on putin and that pain is half his economy and he's not willing to buck his own radical climate alarmist cult uh members the the new green dealers in in the democratic socialist party and as a result we are now in a weakened position in terms of any negotiating or any sanctions we put in place because it doesn't matter he still has his oil money he still has his natural gas money he's still getting richer as a result of all of this it, there's no impact at all on putin no consequences whatsoever yeah but do you think that putin is going to withdraw from ukraine if we put no. sanctions on him with the oil no what, no, what no i don't accomplish with that i i, I don't going? but i'm looking at few other territorial ambitions he might have i'm looking so at the baltics the for example so then we should put the sanctions on Russia when we see him starting to go after Poland that right at the beginning. We don't wait until he's about to invade, because if we put the sanctions on him now, Putin knows that we're not going to take any more action other than sanctions. So if we put the sanctions on him now, he gets Ukraine. No, the but the president, well, well Poland. If, not that I necessarily believe Joe's capable of it, or I'm not even sure NATO's willing to do what's necessary. There's already been pushback from countries like Italy and Germany and, and others. They'd, they'd rather just turn a blind eye to it. 
because it's they, they're so addicted to Putin for energy, the lifeblood of their economies, and they'd rather just ignore it and put their heads in the sand. That is a very dangerous posture. But once you get to the Baltics, now we're talking about NATO allies. Ukraine is not a NATO ally. And Article 5, that agreement says an attack against one is an attack against all. Now, the, the, did Joe Biden mean it when he said that he's going to stand by that commitment? Because that would mean a full-on war, NATO versus Russia, and w- whatever allies Putin is able to sure. pull into his side. And that would be war in Europe, win. and that would be an unmitigated disaster for the world. It wouldn't be surprising. It's not the First World War, and, uh, you know, history does tend to repeat itself. And, you know, ignoring the history, you know, I, I, I don't like Nazi comparisons because there aren't, but but territorial ambitions of maniacal dictators, you know, follow similar patterns. And if you look systematically, what has Putin said? He said he doesn't recognize the Baltics either. He thinks the Baltics are his. That's the, that's the line in the sand that could start World War III. Anyway, appreciate the call. 800-941-SHAWN is a number if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. 800-941-SHAWN, you want to be a part of the program. This is why these sanctions, I want to be very clear. I've been going over this all day, and I, I still, I think, people not understanding. Sure, some of these sanctions, they'll, they'll have a minor impact. But once Joe Biden made the decision that the sanctions are not designed to disrupt the energy exports of Vladimir Putin, once he made that decision, then all of it, it negates every other sanction they're putting in place because it allows vladimir putin to stay in business and it allows this dependency to continue on putin energy and it empowers him and enriches him to pursue his territorial ambitions uh now yesterday in a briefing this is the national security advisor saying that sanctions were not put in place to disrupt energy from russia to the world that's my point that's that that is the it negates any other sanction they're putting in place. It's, in other words, it's all paper tiger. It's all symbolism over substance. It's all meaningless. To be clear, our sanctions are not designed to cause any disruption to the current flow of energy from Russia to the world. We've carved out energy payments on a time-bound basis to allow for an orderly transition of these flows away from sanctioned institutions, and we provided other licenses to provide for an orderly wind down of business. There you go. That's why these sanctions won't work. And there's the, listen, I, I give a lot of credit to the Ukrainian people for fighting back. Um, when when they said I, there, I guess there was a, a Russian ship. You've heard the story, Linda. I mentioned it earlier. That was on the coast and very loudly. They heard, you know, either surrender or we're going to kill you. And they went back on the radio and they responded to the Russians and they said, F you, F off. And they were killed. Imagine the bravery and courage. I just wish they added F you, Vladimir. That would be that would have been an extra step. But think of the courage that takes. I just think think it's horrible because it's needless. I mean, this has been going on for months. Ah. You know, Biden must have said. At least six or seven times yesterday when he was talking, he was like, well, we've been strategizing for months. I'm like, really, have you? Because you suck at it. You're really, really bad at it. 
You've got nothing in place. You're not doing anything that's going to help any of these people. And as Dan Hoffman said so eloquently earlier, and that's another veteran who, you know, gave his life and dedicated it to the country oh, and traveled all over the world. Story I mean, his story is ridiculous, but ridiculous. he's a hero. And, you know, the problem is, is that it it's like that caller said, you know, I'm not putting my kid in harm's way because you don't even know which way you're going. And I'm right with her. She speaks for so many of us. And I think that's where we're at. You know, you got these young kids that are out there being sent in. They got civilians, you know, standing there with guns protecting their homeland because of the fact that we have Putin coming in and doing all of these things. Like it, this is so unnecessary, and all because we didn't prep Ukraine. Embolden him again. You know, I I don't see a scenario unfolding like when Russia invaded the Afghanistan in the eighties. And then we supplied the Mujahideen, and it was a controversial decision, but we decided that Russia didn't have the right to invade in a sovereign country. And we didn't get involved. We didn't put boots on the ground. We provided them with a weaponry, especially Stinger missiles. And those Stinger missiles literally defeated the former, you know, Russia at the time, former Soviet Union at the time. And it was that effective. How effective can an insurgency be in Ukraine? It's hard to tell at this point. It's too early. You know, Sean, Um, there's another point that I think bears repeating. And I haven't talked a lot about this this week because it infuriates me. And I'm going to try to keep my temper in check. But, you know, yeah, I know. It's not easy. Put your finger on the dump button, Jason. Go ahead. (laughs) I really feel that we're in a spot right now where... We have lawlessness in America. We have lawlessness at our border. We no longer have the right to have any favor in our country. We are no longer allowed to be patriotic or believe in American exceptionalism. And this is a top-down effort. They want to destroy us. They're at the top. They're destroying us from within. Our cities and our states are falling apart. They're worried about putting masks on kids while they're letting murderers back out on the street with no bail. They don't even need bail. Mm -hmm. And then we got people coming in across the border. They're flooding it. We don't know who's coming into the country. And now you think Putin gives one rip about what we think let me tell you something he does he's not even thinking about america i wouldn't be either and that's why china and russia and iran and the rest of the world is looking at us and going ah so this is what it looks like when you fall Uh, listen i've been repeating this every day i've been asking everybody russia china iran all right let's get to the phones marty in california what's up marty what the hell are you doing out there get out of that socialist utopia of yours oh my god i love to hear sean We've got great hamburgers down here. If you're ever in town, I'll buy you hamburgers. By the way, you have like In-N-Out that. burgers in Arizona. You have them in Vegas. I mean, and you'll pay a lot less in taxes and still have great burgers. Oh, it's I don't know. It's, it's all good, Sean. The, the, the weather out here is great. What's hey, going on? Sean, i got a couple of questions. Okay, first of all, um, just standing back for a minute and just kind of looking at the situation. First of all, Putin doesn't look healthy. He looks He looks stressed out. So I sure wouldn't want to be around him. I sure wouldn't want to be him. So that's one. And he looks look bloated to me, right almost like he's on steroids. Um, yeah. Of some kind uh, that he didn't look as healthy as I had seen him in the past. I've been looking very closely. I've I've noticed that as well. Or maybe just gain weight. I can't tell. Okay, and, and look at our great Ronald Reagan when he was stressed out or in in a very stressful situation. He had a sense of humor. He was confident. Putin doesn't look confident. I believe. Let me ask you this: Don't you think uh, China is behind this? I mean, think. No, about I think China. NATO. I think China is basically 
given their seal of approval. You're letting it unfold. Uh, they're not saying one negative thing because they have their own territorial ambitions and, and there will be reciprocity. And when they take over Taiwan, then Russia will approve they're taking over Taiwan. And then there's not a thing that the world's going to do in that situation either. Mark my words. Well, do, well, don't you think that they are trying to bring us to the USSR for our troops to be on their land and start and have a war with us? They're trying Listen, to the, that, us. The, 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 the demarcation line will be the Baltics, in my opinion. And to, if you're talking specifically about Russia, the demarcation line should have been Taiwan, but it's not going to be. You know, look, there's been no consequences for China and unleashing COVID on the world. No consequences for their crackdown on Hong Kong. No consequences for their, you know, forced labor camps and oppression of the Uyghur minorities. There'll be no consequences, I predict, when they take over or, as they call it, reunify with Taiwan. Um, I think it puts... An, an enormous burden and pressure on Japan at that point. And I think that puts them in the crosshairs of China, and that scares me. And I think that all of Europe is, they are, it is, it is such a monumental, obvious failure when they are allowing their desire and need for energy literally persevere or, or tr trump the right of the cells to defend themselves that makes sense i'm not saying it right they're putting their desire for low energy from russia they're making that more important than what they should be making a top priority and that is to bankrupt russia right now the world should be united that should be the strategy we're not going to get in a shooting war over ukraine but we should the line in the sand is coming it's within Putin's capability, in my view, my assessment, that he would go after the Baltics. He's already written about it. He stated it publicly. He has more territorial ambitions. That's what I'd be concerned about. But thank you, Marty. Stan in Pennsylvania. Stan, how are you? Hi, honey. Good. How are you? Good. What's going on? What's on your mind today? Yeah, I was just calling in regards to the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, it just breaks my heart to see this happening right now because I'm I'm part Ukrainian. And just to see these, you know, these the bombings going on and these, you know, just trying to take over Ukraine. I mean, it's this radical uh, tyrant uh, in Putin. It's just ridiculous that what he's trying to do. They just want to be peace loving people and have their democracy there. And then he comes there and just wants it you know, as a tyrant to take over. If this would have been under Trump's administration, this would have never happened, as you said before. And uh, with his, I guess, with his radical administration right now, they're not going to do anything as far as opening up the pipelines, which is probably the best thing that they can do right now to, to um, you know, to, to, to have this, you know, situation There are two going on crucial right errors that they have made here. Number one, these sanctions are not designed to disrupt the free flow of energy exports of Russia. That is a huge, massive error. And we're not ratcheting up production to protect our allies and Western Europe and and NATO, uh, assuming that this is going to be prolonged. And I would assume the worst when it comes to Putin. He's a hostile dictator. He's, this is a hostile regime. They have no respect for sovereignty or borders. Territorial ambitions are right laid out there for the world to see. So 
Not good. But anyway, Stan, appreciate it. It's uh, it's it's not good. I can't cite one thing here that Biden is doing right on this occasion. Uh, let's say hi to Jim in Texas. Jim, thanks for checking in. How are you? Happy Friday. Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, I recently just uh, had the opportunity to work on the domestic oil and gas production side of the house. And uh, you've been asking a question for a number of days. And it's been about, you know, as we've grown uh, dependent again on foreign sources of energy, you know, what's it? Why shouldn't we produce it in the United States? And, you know, just to add to that, I think you're absolutely correct. And we have the capacity to do it. But the other thing most people don't realize is that the production of oil and gas in the United States is some of the, has the lowest greenhouse gas production of anywhere in the world. And it's through a unique set of factors that that's the case. So, you know, as long as we're in the energy transition and we need oil and gas, I think you're absolutely right. It should be domestically produced, but it's also better. For but the, we're not for close plant. to any alternative that is a cheap s- source of energy. In other words, right. I'm an all of the above guy. You know, I mentioned yesterday there's this Louisiana guy. I used to go to this inventors convention thing every year. I don't know. I was always fascinated uh, by the things that people would create. And, and some things were silly, but really ingenious. And some things were really important. Mm-hmm. And there was a theory. This guy was selling a book. I bought the book. And he had a theory. And I, I know he's since passed away. His name was, I think, Joe Newman, if I remember correctly. It was a long time ago. And I remember buying his book, but he believed that somehow that there was energy in the gravitational pull that that w- occurs naturally. And that if we could find a means by which to tap into that gravitational pull energy, and I'm, this is very, I'm speaking as a layman here, not mm-hmm. as a scientist, that if we could do that, there would be an endless source of energy that would be free for everybody in the world. Now, that would be transformative for the world in terms of building up wealth all around the world in a good way. Then, of course, you, you have to think about the hostile actors that always exist in history and how people might use such an invention for evil. That would probably be a challenge as well. But... You know, is there going to be a day, a time where we find cheaper, cleaner energy that they can mass produce and it's going to work? Yeah, but it's not the windmills. Um, It's not the solar panels. It's not any of the things that any liberals are are proclaiming and spending billions of dollars on. We're not at that point yet. I hope we get to that point. I think we will one day, but it's not now. Right now, the world depends on oil, gas and coal. The lifeblood of the world's economy is energy, and that's every economy. And the fact that we've become so dependent on Vladimir Putin's energy and allowed our allies and and Europe to become so dependent on him that even when he invades a sovereign country, we don't have the courage to sanction him on the one area, in the one area where it would actually be effective, speaks volumes about how weak the world is at this moment. Anyway, that's a good question. Good call. Thank you. Listen, all of us put our personal information at risk on the Internet every day. LifeLock.com, they see the threats that we all miss on our own. And by the way, always think about two-factor authentication. You know, create complicated, unique passwords for every online account you have. 
Uh, the bottom line is, is these cyber criminals are out there and LifeLock sees the threats we'll miss on our own. They'll scour the dark web on our behalf. And if your information is compromised, you get an alert. If your identity is stolen, you get a dedicated restoration specialist that'll fix it for you. LifeLock by Norton, low annual rate. And now you can save an additional 25% off your first year by using the promo code Hannity. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to lifelock.com, promo code Hannity, and protect your name and reputation and your finances and your credit score. LifeLock.com, promo code Hannity.